Welcome to the Trek Through the Scriptures podcast. In this week's sermon, Gotta Serve Somebody, we reflect on Joshua 24 and reflect on the idols that we hold in our lives, those things that can get in our way of following and serving God in sincerity and faithfulness. Join me, Vicar Aiden Moon, as we again look to the good news of Jesus Christ found in the story of God's Word. Our scripture reading this week is taken from the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads and judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seor to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not let you listen to Balaam. Instead, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand, and you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove out before you the two kings and the Amorites. And it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from Joshua chapter 24, especially verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to have to serve somebody. So Bob Dylan sings on his 1979 album, Slow Train Coming. You're going to have to serve somebody. In our text today from Joshua, Joshua gives a similar ultimatum to the people of Israel. They're going to have to serve somebody, so who will it be? This is the question he poses to them as he's reaching the end of his life, as he's giving his last formal address as the leader who, who by God's provision has guided them into the promised land. And it's a question worth pondering for us too. If every single one of us has to serve somebody, who will it be? I know several couples who have, after some years together, renewed their marriage vows, and they do this to to reaffirm their commitment to their spouse. The original vows are still good enough, but sometimes these renewals can seem almost more significant because they demonstrate the faithfulness of a couple with some history behind them. Rather than a youthful naivety, the couple has some challenges, some conflicts, and some trials under their belt. They have a history. And so it is now with God and his people Israel. In this case, the vow renewal is one coming after a checkered past. The the relationship between God and his people has been a bumpy one. There are no newlyweds. Israel had repeatedly stepped out on God, going to serve other gods. It almost seems ridiculous to us how often the people of Israel have begun to worship idols, how often they've committed spiritual adultery, how often they've gone after other gods, despite his faithfulness to them. But this isn't a fluke, Joshua says. It goes all the way back. He makes a point to note that long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. The people of God did not come from a pure line. The worship of idols went all the way back. Idolatry is the default, not the exception. There were idols in the house of Jacob. The people of Israel worshiped idols in Egypt. Idolatry was the default. Luther famously defined our gods as that which we fear, love, and trust above all things. And maybe another way to define a God might be this. Whose promises are we believing? We all look to certain things to fulfill us. We might start to ask ourselves, what are my deepest fears? What do I desire most? And what do I think will give it to me? These are tough questions to ask, but they reveal something. They reveal our idols. Just like the ancient Israelites, we are surrounded by options. We have so many choices. Not the Egyptian, Babylonian, or Amorite gods, maybe. But we too have many options for what we will place our trust in, for who we will serve, money, ambition, or sex, or maybe more pernicious and common among Christians, self-righteousness, our good works, our reputation, or even our family. 
All of these are things, created things, that we seek fulfillment in. We place created things in the place of God, and suddenly it seems a little less ridiculous how often Israel turned aside from God to idols, because we can see plentiful examples in our own hearts. To the restless husband with a wandering eye, the consequences of an affair might seem slight compared to the physical and emotional fulfillment it promises to create. It's been said that most affairs are not just sexual, but emotional, driven by a desire to be desired. An affair makes a promise. Or maybe it's money. We know that money can't buy me love, but I think many of us still think money is our hope for security and peace, maybe even happiness. I saw an interview with an aging rock star recently, and he said, of course money can buy happiness. Why? Because money buys the stuff that can make us happy. Money can fulfill our desires. It can bring us security and peace, or so it promises. And even the church as a whole can have idols. Christians might benefit from asking, what are we afraid of? What do we want? Are our churches afraid we'll run out of money, that we won't have enough butts and seats or offering in the plate to keep this thing going? What promises to be a way out in the midst of these challenging times where we find ourselves? Who will save us? What promises to be the way out that will fulfill our deepest dreams and longings and save us from our deepest fears? We have many options. We believe all kinds of promises. We are looking for something. We are restless. We have deep desires. And whatever promises to fulfill those desires for us, we will run to time and time again. The theologian St. Augustine famously wrote in his confessions, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The philosopher James K.A. Smith plays off this when he says, Our idolatries are less like conscious decisions to believe a falsehood and more like learned dispositions to hope in what will disappoint. Our idolatries are not intellectual. They are affective. Instances of disordered love and devotion. Idolatry is caught more than it is taught. We practice our way into idolatries. We absorb them from the water in which we swim. We have within ourselves deep longings, and that's what idolatry is really about. It's not about wrong thinking. It isn't something we can convince ourselves out of. It's about those deep fears and desires. That's why idolatry is the default. Even for those who say, oh no, I'm not religious. They are restlessly seeking, aiming their love at created things that they hope will fulfill them. Smith also says this, quote, humans are those strange creatures who can never be fully satisfied by anything created, though that never stops us from trying. Our idols overpromise and underdeliver. They make promises, we give them our hope only to be disappointed. The affair that promised romantic bliss leaves in its wake wreckage of lost trust and brokenness, a dark and corrupted shadow of God's intention for relationships. And it doesn't satisfy. The chronic adulterer may have affair after affair, looking for the one, a soulmate, who will finally satisfy. But they don't. They can't. 
Money? Its promises are empty. Make it your God and soon you will work for it, not the other way around. It will enslave you in its emptiness. And as Ecclesiastes says, you will die and leave it to someone who will not use it the way you would. Empty, striving after the wind. Whatever our idols are, they overpromise and underdeliver. Yet still, idolatry is our default. We continue to fear, love, and trust the wrong things. The good news in the story of God's people was not dependent on their choice. It was based not on their faithfulness, but on God's. God had chosen them, called Abraham out of his idolatry, called Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He had made them his own. The surprising thing was not Israel choosing God. It was God continuing to remain faithful to a nation which had hoard after all kinds of idols. Now the question was this, would they remain with him, trusting in him, serving him? Or would they choose from the variety of other options the world around them offered? Even when they made the wrong choice, which they did time and time again, God amazingly continued to carry out his plan regardless of their failure like a spouse choosing time and time again to remain faithful to the unfaithful, God was not done with Israel. The son, the heir, the faithful one would come. He would walk the path Israel so often failed to walk, submitting himself to the will of the father, rejecting earthly wealth, power, and prestige for a cross. He came not ultimately to condemn the idolatry of God's people, but to give them something better, to reorient their desires, not toward idols, but toward real promises, strong promises, promises that deliver what they say. You can count on them as surely as Christ is risen from the dead. His death and his resurrection are the bedrock of promises that will not fail. Despite our religious obedience to sex, money, and self-righteousness, been rescued through baptism, offered salvation, gathered into God's community by his own word, our deepest hopes and needs, our deepest desires are met by his promises. We have identity as his children, security because he cares for us, and purpose as those he sends with his perfect love into the world. An idolatrous, adulterous people made holy and righteous by the work of the faithful one who gave himself up for us. So God calls us to release our grip on our idols, to let go of the things that we place our ultimate trust in. You're going to have to serve somebody. So choose this day whom you will serve. Will you serve the God who has assured his rock solid promises in the blood of his son, who has called you through the gospel, who has made you his own, who will raise you from the dead? Or will you return to something else, to some other promise for your hope? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will aim our love to the only one who can satisfy. Every time someone comes to the font, 
It is a testimony to this truth. It's a testimony to those who place their hope on the one whose promises are assured in an empty tomb. They come to the font because in that water and word, God is making a promise, a promise that is steadfast, a promise that a restless heart can lean on. Our world constantly seeks our attention. It makes many promises. And maybe even as we have come from the font, we're restless and we slip back toward idols which cannot satisfy. But may we look back on the day of our baptism as a promise we can stand upon that our hearts can find rest in. And may it be a day for all of us to return to our own baptismal promises and repentance and hope time and time again as we return to the promise. May be said of us the same as Paul said to the Thessalonians. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon on our trek through the scriptures. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on the journey, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Also, be sure to check out our weekly podcast discussion of the upcoming readings, which can be found on our website or on other platforms where podcasts are found. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week as we continue our exploration of God's story as it points us ever toward the good news of Jesus Christ. Have a great week.